0: To support our work at the Izzy and Mortada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show, and you'll get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up at Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. welcome to the izzy and rotata picture show i'm izzy
1: and i'm rotata and we are back to talk to you about the oscars we have two episodes before the oscars and this is the day after the oscars we're monday a little hungover still thinking about what happened last night but um thought we would talk about it how do you feel about the evening izzy
0: you know, I feel very neutral about it. Um I'm still gathering my thoughts, I think. But um one of the things that struck me the most is how very staid it felt. It felt very cautious perhaps. Um my first instinct was that they were maybe overcorrecting for the slap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something that was of course unexpected, but seemed to define the ceremony in a way that they didn't want anything that might have been um too radical. They sta- they s- seemed to not want to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I I agree with you 100%. They were very cautious. And um, Jimmy Kimmel, who was the host, talked a lot about you wanted all the awards on the show. We're bringing them back, but we don't want to hear from you about how long the show is. And it was so funny. That reminded me, because Whoopi Goldberg always used to say about the show is long. We know it's long. We don't want to read about how it's long tomorrow. It's, you know, cheap. In the olden days of Whoopi, she had to wait until the next day to read about it in the papers. Um, but... So to me, that was kind of like it brought me back to that time. So especially at the beginning of the show, I felt, oh, this is good. You know, this is back to the old Oscars. They're not reinventing the wheels. I feel home. I like this. I'm relaxed. I'm just going to watch... Jimmy Kimmel, his jokes are never that offensive or never that good. But at least this time, he didn't actually do the whole, I'm over it, I didn't watch your movies. He said he watched the movies, even the long ones. He made a a lot of references to the nominees, to John Williams, to Judd Hirsch, to um, Tom Cruise, to all of these people who were celebrated. And he was not over any of them. It was celebrating the achievements of these people. So I was like, you know, at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is good. This is going to be a nice night. But then I have to agree with you, as it went like that, it's just there were, there were no fun bits. Like, you yeah. need a cringy moment. You need yeah. something to go wrong.
0: When I think about Oscar ceremonies in the past that or moments that really stick out to me in my mind, it's Whoopi Goldberg descending dressed as the queen or it's a Billy Crystal song and dance number. You know, there there's a kind of showmanship about the Oscars that is, that can be very cringy, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I think is there to emphasize the glamor that comes with this industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Jimmy Kimmel uh, isn't that kind of performer? I think his jokes are really great, and i think I agree with you. I think there was a nice balance struck there between kind of roasting the the artist but also um you know being polite about it
1: yeah <laughs> for yes. the most
0: part and yeah. i I think there weren't any that really made me cringe too hard and i I have to think that louis Vertel his writing had to do a lot with that really striking
1: that balance well
0: um.
1: Yes, Lewis, yeah, if yeah. you're listening, we we thought about you. We're like, this is yeah, very we nice. Like,
0: and, it's him, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's just not that kind of performer. So you kind of lose that glitz a little bit. And I think um, mm-hmm. for a lot of people who've been watching the ceremony for a long time, you mm-hmm. do kind of miss it, but you also kind of appreciate the fact that it just feels like a kind of mature evening as well.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it,
0: it was nice not to have a painful moment, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. Especially last year, there were so many painful moments. Um, And I think I love that he mostly roasted the people who were not there. And for not coming Tom Cruise and James Cameron, he's like, why are you not here? You're kind of bad sports, because maybe you didn't get all the nominations that you wanted. Um,
0: Why wasn't Tom Cruise there?
1: I think he was afraid of Scientology jokes. I mean, that's the only (laughs) reason I can think of.
0: Like running into Nicole, I don't know. I I genuinely have no idea. I don't follow his career very much, so.
1: I mean, I think there was only one Scientology joke from Jimmy Kimmel when he talked about the shirtless um, scenes in Top Gun and he said, El Haba Haba or something like that. Mm. But I think if Tom Cruise was in the room, maybe there would have been several more Scientology (laughs) jokes because he has done them in the past. So that's the only reason I can think of, of Tom Cruise not being there. And the other is that he wasn't nominated for best actor, just for best film as a producer. So he maybe is protesting that, which I think is the reason Jim Cameron is not there because he wasn't nominated for best director. So, yeah. Interesting.
0: Well, you know, who was there who got a lot of representation last night, corporations, (laughs) corporations (laughs) were present at the 95th awards. Um, Certainly, were a lot of advertisements for you know mm-hmm. at the, the Academy Museum, which I think yes. is slightly different.
1: It's slightly less blatant than literally Melissa McCarthy and Haley yeah. Bailey coming out to introduce a literal trailer. And it's yeah. and it's so funny. People, I, I was reading on Twitter, people who were in the ceremony actually didn't see the trailer for The Little Mermaid because it just played to people at home. So they were there to present. A commercial that's, that's so blatant,
0: funny. yeah. Well, I, exactly. Like the Academy Museum has corporate interests, obviously, they get their money from the ceremony, so it makes sense that you would want to advertise as much as possible. But, um, yes, that one threw me for a loop, as did the Warner Brothers 100. Now I know mm-hmm. the 100th anniversary of Warner Brothers is a big deal. They're really trying to sell this. This is the theme of the TCM Festival film festival this spring in April um, But what's hilarious is the f- total lack of understanding of what Warner Brothers, was as a studio. Now, (laughs) Warner Brothers owns a lot of MGM's films. But I don't think it's appropriate to put like a clip of the Wizard of Oz in an Mm. MGM or in a Warner Brothers 100 uh, montage. It's simply not correct. And I thought that was very funny and showed a significant lack of education from whoever put that together. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, they don't know. People who put these things, unfortunately, don't know. But I mean, they got Morgan Freeman from the Shawshank Redemption and the next Barbary to Margot Robbie to, to introduce it. So I guess that's as far as their Warner Brothers thoughts went.
0: Well, I, I don't even think Betty Davis was in it.
1: She wasn't. I, I also Warner thought of that. Was yeah. not in it. <laughs> yes. Like, if you think of Warner's, you think of Betty Davis. Like, and she yeah. was not in any of the clips.
0: Was Casablanca in it? I I know they had... Casablanca was
1: in it, yes. Okay. Because they had the whole um, Play It Again Sam from Ingrid Bergman to start it, I I think. Okay.
0: Well, at least they had that.
1: That's good. Yes. Um, And I thought, you know, after they played The Little Mermaid at Disney Production, then they had Warner Brothers. um, And I was like, oh, is every studio going to be represented? Is next going to be Sony? Or I don't know. Fox is not there. who I don't even know, Lionsgate, I don't even know Paramount, is every studio going to come and tell us, well, coming this year or coming this summer? But it was just those and the Academy Museum.
0: It's true. Um, It was was definitely strange. I'm not sure why Warner Brothers got that uh, spot because most of the ceremony didn't really seem to care very much about the legacy of Hollywood at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was a really lovely moment where, um, Jonathan Majors and, uh, uh, help me with his name.
1: Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan.
0: That's correct. I have no (laughs) memory left. Um, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors came in to introduce cinematography and they had a really lovely moment citing some of the tricks that Orson Welles employed in Citizen Kane, which I thought was really cool. Um, So that was, that was nice. That was a nice little bone for, I think, some real nerds. And I appreciated that.
1: Yeah. So I, before um, the ceremony in preparation for, for this episode of the show, I came up with some categories for awards, but as the night went on and I was looking at them today, I was just like, there is nothing like that. Like I had an award for the Adele the Dazeem Memorial Award for most cringy moment, but I can't think of any.
0: They they really controlled it. Yeah.
1: They did. It goes back to that point that everybody was so cautious. But to that point, I also had a couple of presenters that I would like to highlight because I think um, there were no, I think that Michael B. Jordan, Jonathan Majors was a memorable Moment but there were no like moments that you have to think about the next day. I have to really think hard, but I really loved what Julia Louis Dreyfus did. She was paired with Paul Dano to present best costume design, and um she made she made the usual sort of her funny persona, which is that she is a little cringy, she is a little narcissistic. Um, and played up that in making it all about her and about her costumes and about her, you know, what she takes home and and that was to me was funny. Um, mm. I also liked Emily Blunt paired with The Rock. Are they like just gonna make movies together now? Emily Blunt finds somebody else, but they were funny <laughs> together too. And part of that was like I think The Rock wasn't didn't go as far as B- Emily Blunt did because. They were doing the thing of like he wants to talk about animation and she's just like, people are bored, let's just move on, which Mm -hmm. is sort of like, uh, you know, that sort of banter. But Mm -hmm. I felt that he maybe wasn't giving what she was giving. Um, But, you know, it's still a moment. But again, to this show, it was kind of okay, but it wasn't great. Like nobody is going to go back and play this moment. I remember I still go back and play the moment few years ago when emma stone came out with ben stiller and she was playing this try hard to please new star in town this was the year of the help so she was a new star um and he was like over it uh and just trying to get her just read the nominees nobody cares what you do and she's just like trying to do a moment and she's and that was so funny and i think emily blunt And Dwayne Johnson were trying to do something similar, but it just wasn't as funny or as memorable. Nobody's going to go back to look at Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson, but I still go back and play that Emma Stone Ben Stiller bit.
0: Uh, My version of that is the Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell one where they come out and they're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) And kind of looking around the room. I think that's very funny. But um, yes, I was a little that award came very early on. It might have even been the first award.
1: It was the first award, yes. Um,
0: That worried me a little bit, that bit, because I thought, oh no, is every single introduction going to be like this from now on? Um, (laughs) Where, you know, everybody has to have their little bit, whether or not they can actually pull a bit off is always an open question. Yeah, I thought they did a fine job, but it kind of concerned me. And then um, I, I was kind of pleased that they seemed to keep that to a minimum, and yeah. just kind of focus on a little bit of about the category, get to the award, it's fine. Um, but yeah, just kind of going back to I think the repeating theme here, which is that I think you get a very smooth show, but you also perhaps lose a little bit of that show business quality that yeah. a lot of us have come to love.
1: I, I mean, one of the moments that I think was completely um, not called upon to be historic is you got Jessica Chastain and Halle Berry to present Best Actor and Best Actress. Yeah. And we know why Halle Berry is there. Obviously, Will Smith couldn't be there, so she replaced him. But she is also the only non-white actress to win until last year. And so I think me and everybody, um, bef- when Halle Berry was announced, were a little nervous. It's like Michelle Yeoh has a g- good chance to win, but also she might not. And so maybe the producers were cautious about that too and they didn't want to make a cringe moment like when they had um like the Anthony
0: Hopkins yeah the Anthony Hopkins yeah.
1: Chadwick Boseman so they actually had Halle Berry announce best actor and then Jessica Chastain announce best actress which to me Jessica Chastain you opened the envelope it was Michelle Yeoh's name like you know this is the moment like it Somebody should have told her, or she should have thought, like, okay, I need to give this envelope to Halle Berry to say that name, to make Mm -hmm. that connection, to make this a moment. Because then why have Halle Berry up there if you're not going to?
0: Yeah, it was nice to see Halle Berry still on the stage, though, when Michelle Yeoh actually accepted the award and they got to walk off together, which was, I think, really, really stunning of a moment. Yes.
1: Yes. But there was something lost. And I think this is back to to what we were talking about earlier about that. Everything seemed cautious. They're like, we don't, we want to have a moment, but maybe we don't really. (laughs) So, because they're afraid the moment might turn into something beyond their control.
0: Yeah. Even, you know, you know me, I have flown thousands of miles to see Lady Gaga perform. And I know this was probably put together at the last second. uh, And it was very pared down. It was very Joanne of her, if if I do say so myself. Um, But I, you know, I thought maybe this is the moment where we're going to get the glamour. We didn't really get it too much. Uh, But I still loved her performance. It was still great.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, if I was going to give a standing ovation for anything that happened last night, it would have been for Lady Gaga. I just loved everything about that performance. I loved that she came out and gave a completely Lady Gaga moment in that it was genuine from her... No makeup, Which is but very also,
0: radical, I think, for the Oscars.
1: Yeah, totally. But also, just what she talked about—it was a very Gaga moment to be earnest, to be all about the art and the artist, and you know, this movie that is just literally military propaganda. To say I wrote this song—it's very personal to me—and yeah. that's it's such a Gaga a
0: PG sex scene with <laughs> Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah, it's such a Gaga moment, and then to the point you were making about how stripped down the whole performance was, was no makeup. She's just there in a t-shirt and jeans. And even, I think the show rose up to that moment in that that moment was photographed completely different than the rest of the show. There was no light. It was very stripped down. It was kind of like cinema verité. And then it was all about her voice. Like that is not a great song, but she really performed it well. And I was like, you know what? She made this show worse watching. I think that, that to me was the highlight of the show.
0: I do think something about the Oscars really brings out the Gaga in Gaga. She really loves to show up for this award show and perform her ass off. And I have to respect it.
1: Yes. And there was a drama with that of like, you know, she's not going to perform. Then it was announced last minute she was going to perform. But, you know, it was great. Um, I think Rihanna's song is even less memorable. Um, But she also was in good voice. Like, she, she sounded great. The other song is completely unmemorable, I have to say, is the Diane Warren one. I was—I don't even remember anything about that I performance. I don't remember
0: it, to be honest. I, I think just I might re- have gone to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that song.
1: it's totally the time to go to the bathroom because I think Sophia Carson, who was singing it, the one thing I remember about it is that in the middle, she introduced Diane Warren. Di- oh,
0: yeah, that's right. She said so- <laughs> it was so shady. It was I know it was meant to be just... A purely factual compliment, but it sounded so shady.
1: Yeah, lifetime achievement Oscar winner. I was like, okay, thirteen-time
0: nominee. (laughs) I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, we could talk. Let's get into the winners because I think we can kind of overlap Mm -hmm. those conversations a little bit.
1: Yes. So So everything, everywhere, all at once won seven Oscars. So a sweep. That hasn't happened at the Oscars in a very long time, including winning three acting awards, which just by my cursory look at the acting winners, the last time that happened was for network in nineteen seventy six. So that's a very long time ago.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think before that it was Streetcar, and those are the two. Those are the two that I could find in the 10 minutes I did this this morning. What a, so what a
0: if- group of films that is. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I have to say maybe history will look kindly at this, but right now I'm looking at it as cans because I don't think this movie deserves three acting Oscars. Let's just say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I I think... Any listener will know where we stand on um, this film, and particularly the acting nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a tough one, you know. I I think I'm kind of grappling with how to kind of consider this film as a representation of where culture is at versus what I think qualitatively is actually the best work of the year. And to me, you know, those are two different things. Obviously I've talked many times about how I think Tar and Cate Blanchett's performance are the best things that came out of American cinema this year. However, I think it's correct that these things won. There's something about everything, everywhere, all at once that feels so extraordinarily now and, uh, in a way that I don't think a Best Picture winner has felt in a very long time, maybe with the exception of Parasite. Mm. Um, So I'm very happy with it, despite the fact that I think, you know, it's not technically the best film of the year. I think it's just a very accurate representation of where our culture and where our cinema is at. And like Best Picture has been for eternity, that's what best picture kind of is, right? It's a, it's a pole of where the most people are at. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it is it kind of by definition, a little safe and um, middling in that sense, not, not using that as a derogatory term, but just sort of a descriptor.
1: Yeah. And I think I agree with you. And I think what is undeniable is the connection that this movie has made with a lot of people, a lot of audiences who love it, a lot of critics who love it. And obviously a lot of people in the industry, like even watching the pre-show where, you know, people were being asked, who are you rooting for? Almost every single person. And I was toggling between E and ABC. Almost every single person mentioned everything everywhere, all at once. Like, you know, and, People from all walks, you know, actors, writers, directors, like, you know, if everybody mentioned that movie and that they were rooting for it. So this movie definitely had a grip on the culture um, like no other movie had this last year. And so in hindsight, I was one of the people who were like, oh, it's going to win like three or four. But in hindsight, I should have maybe been more astute to realize that it's going to win all these awards. Um and yes I agree with you best actress I also wanted Kate Blanchett I think Kate Blanchett gave the best performance of the year in any category one of the best performances of her career if not the best um but also it feels the right time for somebody who's not white to win best actress because that has only happened once in 95 years so and this is the the movie that culturally had the resonance and culturally was so popular that that and the character played by Michelle Yeoh is the lead, is what the movie is about. So it yep. makes sense from that from that perspective, even though I am a little heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: I just think uh, when some, the cleaner a film's politics are, the less subtle its messaging is, the better mm-hmm. it's going to fare, I think, in these kinds of situations. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about everything, everywhere all at once. I think everybody can kind of be on a, whether or not you actually like it as a film, I think everybody kind of understands what it's about and what it's trying to do in a way that a lot of other films were unable to achieve or that found it much harder. Um, I think you're right. Like Michelle Yeoh deserves this for the, the times that she spent and basically discarded by this industry or relegated to films that, essentially just put her into a box. That's not something Kate Blanchett has ever had to struggle with in her career. Um, And so to me, I think it's a triumph to kind of break out of that. And I think it's true of so many of actually all of the acting winners this year have all more or less been put in a box at one point or thrown away by this industry only to kind of reemerge now as winners which i think is really exciting of course the instant retort to that would be you know jamie lee curtis is famously a nepo baby but i still think you know she's been at it since the 70s um and she for a long time wasn't given any prestige for what she had been doing and i think that is a battle in and of itself and she's proven that she can kind of have that longevity it's not simply like the fact that tony curtis was her dad anymore (laughs) like she's (laughs) kind of transcended that i think
1: you know i was again you know those two awards were the ones that broke really my heart because i was all in for angela bassett i really thought she had the career not exactly the movie and the performance, but let's face it, neither does Jamie Lee. She does. She might have the movie, well, exactly. but she does not have the performance. So that's what, it, I think,
0: yeah, that's what makes it also like kind of also separately disappointing, though. It's like Angela Bass has also been doing this for so yes. long mm-hmm. and there are no Nepo babies of their generation who are Black, like simply not because they were not allowed to have careers when janet lee and tony curtis were famous so it's like it's like she's starting on such a different level and still rose to this Mm -hmm. and it's just like it sucks that jamie lee curtis's moment is like at the expense of angela bassett and what more does she have to do
1: yes i know exactly what more does she have to do exactly she waited 30 fucking years to get a second nomination like She doesn't have another 30 years. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I wish Angela Bassett all the best. And I hope she had a wonderful night last night. The one thing I want to say about um, Jamie Lee winning is that I was feeling all these feelings. A lot of disappointment because I think her performance was the weakest in that movie. I think it had no reason to be nominated, let alone win. And I was all in for Angela Bassett. And then she wins and she gets up there and she gives us a moment. She links all these things that you and I have been talking about for the last few minutes together. The movie, the, the cultural grip this movie has, her history as a genre queen of two genres that the Oscars doesn't reward, comedy and horror. She brings all that together, plus her own personal Nepo baby history to her parents. And it was a wonderful speech and a wonderful moment at the Oscars and the kind of moment we are obsessed with this show. This is why we're obsessed with this show, for somebody to articulate all these things together and put them together in, in a way like this. And I think that's also why she won in the end because she has been articulating all these things all season long as being the cheerleader for her film and for her performance. And in the end, she managed to to put that message out really well. And that served her well to get her this Oscar.
0: Yeah, I like that you kind of use the word cheerleader there because she really has been so upfront about how much she loves this film. And I think to a lot of people, it turned them off for a while because anytime anyone is obvious about the fact that they want something, it, it just turns into a dogfight on social media. Mm-hmm. Um but I do I truly like believe in her sincerity. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't see it as a cynical grift for an award coming from her. You know, she's she's been through it, you know. Um mm-hmm. and so I don't think that she expected herself to ever get there. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um but yeah, dude, I'm still really, I'm sad for Angela Bassett, though.
1: It really yeah. does suck. It, it sucks big time. Um, so on happier note, I really liked the Kihi Kwan speech. Mm-hmm. I loved one of the, the moments that I'm not sure if it was pointed, but to me, it felt really pointed. He, he talked two words in particular, to me, felt very moving in that he mentioned that he's a refugee who came on a boat Um, And just thinking about what's happening with migrants right now, like this is the same week that there is this law in the UK that is very cruel to migrants who come on boats. And for him to to take the stage of millions of people watching and to mention those two particular words felt very moving. It was a very small part of his speech that, you know, was magnanimous to the movie and his collaborators and his family and his mom and a lot of other things. But that's Those are the two words that stood in my head just because of what's happening in the world right now.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's something that maybe we can tease for next week for for the podcast um, that we've been talking about a lot recently, which is that Hollywood as we know it and the films that we love is formed by immigrants and formed by refugees who came to this country and were allowed to do work. And so when you see another success story like that adding to that legacy it's very powerful. And it also Mm -hmm. is, as you said, a reminder of the increasingly strict policies that are kind of squeezing out that talent flow coming to the United States. Like
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we are not making it easier to come here. And in doing so, I think we're, (laughs) we're screwing ourselves over.
1: We're losing, absolutely.
0: On top of, you know, being kind of inhumanitarian to, to all of these, migrants who like need a place to go. <laughs> so it's sort yeah. of, it's just, it, nobody wins in these situations. And I'm glad that he was, as you said, very able to articulate, like, like, here's a positive that comes from this. And here's what we need to continue doing in this country. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, what other speeches did you like? Um, Izzy.
0: Uh, I did love Michelle Yeoh's speech. It was very lovely. Um, i trying to remember some of the others. Um, gosh, I don't know. I feel like I kind of blacked out. At a certain point. <laughs> so I like have a blank memory at this point of last night.
1: So there is a point in this show, and unfortunately this happens at every Oscars, where they give all these awards. I know we want all 23 awards to be presented um, on the show, but that means that for a huge chunk of the show, it is these straight middle-aged white men in ill-fitting tuxedos who go up there and thank their wives and collaborators. And it makes for such a boring part of the show. Um, You know, no shade to any of these men, you know, who won for all the the craft categories, you know, no shade to any of them at all, but it's not riveting. It's not memorable. So I was so happy when in the middle of all of that, we had Ruth Carter come up there in her yellow, shiny dress, looking unlike any of the nondescript people who came before her and after her. And to to give us that speech, she did the cardinal sin. She read it from a piece of paper, but it doesn't matter.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Now, your strengths st- if you're not getting good <laughs> at top of the at the off the top see it's, it's cool that I'm messing up saying that because it proves
1: the point that if you're yeah. not
0: good at speaking eloquently off the top of your head, just read it, just yeah. read it.
1: She read it and she, again, like Ki-Hee she brought things together. She talked about Chadwick Boseman. She talked about what this movie means culturally, what her work means to her and to her um, mother who I think died recently. And all of it was brought in beautifully together in a moment that's very memorable for the vision of her as a Black woman in a bright yellow dress, but also for what she said. And she becomes the first Black woman ever to win two Oscars, which mm-hmm. is kind of unbelievable if you think about it.
0: Wild. Wild. <laughs> uh, does she? Do we count that dress as gold? Like, did she break a stigma a little bit too with that I th- one?
1: I think so. Can you we can count that? Yeah, right. you can count it as gold.
0: <laughs> it's like two records right there as far as i'm concerned.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, so that was a that was a memorable moment.
0: Um i'm curious how you situate everything everywhere all at once as a best picture winner. I think there are things about it that to me read as very typical of best picture, but there are things that obviously do not read as typical for Best Picture winners. And I'm curious what you think about that, if if you've given it any thought.
1: I mean, I think I've given it the thought in a way that when this movie came out, just for its release date, for its content, frankly, because its content is not, it's not a classically made movie. That This year, that was The Fablemans, which went home empty-handed. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite of that. It's made by up-and-coming younger filmmaker. It's used... Its stars are people you don't think of starring in movies that win Oscars. Like I don't think any of these actors who won Oscars last night were ever in a Best Picture nominee before last night. You know, if you if you know that they were, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you know, um, maybe Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon from Michelle Yeoh, and that oh, that would great. be the only one yeah. uh, that I can think of. But so from all that perspective, and then to what we were talking about earlier, it found the connection in the culture with the industry, with people, with audiences, and that's what made it an Oscar movie. And it is an Oscar movie in that it made that connection because in the end, the Academy always awards a popular movie.
0: That's right. Yeah. I I was thinking a lot about it in relation to Coda because I feel like there are a lot of overlapping elements with Coda, this kind of like a feel-good family story That, um, you know, you have a young woman kind of grappling with how she interacts with her parents, obviously in very different ways within the films themselves. But I thought that was interesting that thematically they're kind of similar, question mark. (laughs) Um, I think Everything Everywhere All at Once has more going on. It's a more complex story than Coda was, is.
1: And just the... Better made movie in general. Yeah.
0: Oh, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to me, like thinking about those two things together, because also having best picture films that are led by women is traditionally quite rare.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: also the fact that best actress and best picture actually correspond to each other this year is incredibly rare as well.
1: Yeah, it never happens. Like last year, never the five never. nominees for Best Actress were not in movies nominated for Best Picture. But this year we had three, right? Three, because also The Fablemans. Star, yeah. The Fablemans, and everything everywhere.
0: I I don't even know when the last one was. Was it like Silence of the Lambs?
1: Um, I think the last movie that won Best Actress and Best Picture was the Clint Eastwood movie with Hilary Swank? Oh, uh, Million
0: Dollar Baby! That yes. won Best Picture.
1: Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> although there was a big correlation with La La Land too. In the there end, it didn't right. win. It didn't win Best Almost. Picture, but it, yeah, but it won the most Oscars that night, including Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so I guess that's a move a step forward for, for the academy and for the taste of yeah. its members.
0: I think that one one thing I'm hoping comes from this is that studios see that there is value in taking a risk. I think there have been some best picture winners over the years that are um not your standard in the sense of like a, a shape of water maybe where you have a hot I don't know water god guy um that's not typical for best picture but
1: yeah um and that was was a movie led by a woman too that one best picture
0: although that she did not
1: she did not win yes
0: but um i think we're kind of pushing that even further now we're kind of seeing that things that are more unconventional or have um movie stars who aren't the movie stars that you think of who win Oscars, like a Cate Blanchett or a a Frances McDormand, these kind of like repeat Mm middle-aged white women offenders. Um, (laughs) Like you can expand the idea of what this looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. genre And tone and all of these things. And I'm hoping that people are going to be more risky with it and not just keep cranking out these biopics that like are clearly kind of falling out of favor.
1: Yeah. And and one thing, is that the Academy knows its history. Sometimes it doesn't know what to do with it, but it yeah. definitely knows its history. And so the reason Kate Blanchett or Frances McDormand are always considered is that they started being considered early in their career. So now the Jamie Lee, that Kihi Kwan, that Michelle Yeoh, and the Daniels have won an Oscar, the next movie is absolutely going to be considered. Whatever they do next is going to be considered for the Oscars by the industry, by the pundits, by hopefully the voters.
0: Well, I, one thing, to though, to be cautious of, if we think about Angela Bassett's career, she's talked about how when mm-hmm. she was nominated for Best Actress, she didn't get any offers.
1: That's true. So there's yeah. nothing
0: to be considered for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think probably the onus is now on us. To kind Mm -hmm. of keep demanding as audiences that these people are getting cast in things over and over again that would allow them to become those kind of familiar faces in categories like this.
1: Yeah. I got excited for a minute. Um, But yes, you brought me back to earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but I think the Daniels, whatever they do next as directors, because actors in the end don't write or, you know, make their own movies unless they're producers. But I think the Daniels will be considered for at least their next film that it would be thought of as something to be considered.
0: Totally. Absolutely. And I hope they keep kind of plucking people out of not obscurity, but people that you wouldn't expect, I guess, Mm -hmm. to, to lead their films. And um uh, and to do unexpected things with their careers, because I yeah. do think that is probably the master stroke of that film is the way it was cast and who they brought in mm-hmm. um to play these different roles. so
1: yeah, um, so it's exciting that um everything everywhere won. it's certainly something that you know tells us there's a change in the economy unfortunately something that tells us there is no change in the academy at all is what won for best documentary which is Navalny which <laughs> I think was the worst of the five nominated movies it's the exact sort of movie that just won because it's subject is in the news like it's a movie about somebody who opposes Putin but actually you look at the movie itself it's a movie that um, proclaims that it's a journalistic movie but it's actually very one-sided about this pro- ex- Extremely from this person's view, doesn't question him or his politics at all. Um, and I thought it was absolutely the worst win of last night, <laughs> especially when you have All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is a beautiful yeah. movie about Nan Goldin's life and her activism that brings together so many things about, you know, how how you can actually affect change in the world and force and use your privilege to force institutions to make big changes. And also it's just as a piece of filmmaking, it is beautiful to look at. It plays so well. Um, All That breeze is also a wonderful film about also people in India trying to make change in, you know, in their community by saving these birds. And it's, again, gorgeous to look at, beautifully shot, tells a story that's vital to what's happening in the world. And then, no, we're just going to give it to Navalny, which is a movie that's only half there. Um, So that was my biggest disappointment of last night. Yeah,
0: it is really disappointing. I I agree with you. I think that All the Beauty and the Bloodshed was one of the most affecting documentaries I've seen in a very long time. Um, Truly beautiful storytelling, wraps very sad stories into a very neat little bow in a way that I think was totally unexpected and very heart-wrenching. At the end, how that kind of, wraps all of these different themes in her life together into this message. Um, but I, yeah, it was, it was hard to see that not win. And it's also extremely expected that it wouldn't win because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, it's not something that I think is easy to get people to pay attention to in the way that Navalny would be because of what's happening in Ukraine right now. Obviously mm-hmm. a lot of people have an interest in it. I uh, I think Russian politics is very complicated because there isn't really Russian pro- politics. Like truly the, like your question is a valid one, which is if it's positioned as a journalistic film, what is it obligated to do in terms of how it analyzes Navalny as a political figure? But it's strange because within Russia, it's like there's opposition and then there's Putin And those are the only two choices. Mm. So it's sort of like any journalistic approach can only go so far. It's like, it's like, yeah, you know, you can criticize Navalny, but then it's like, there isn't anything else either. (laughs) So it's just kind of like, where do you go with it? But I think it, it was such a thin documentary though. I see, I completely see what you mean, where it's sort of like, you know, we got this very, uh, interesting, I don't know, behind the scenes look at this very critical moment in his life. But that's kind of it. That's the gag. Yeah. Um, You're
1: not questioning it. him at all, um, which right. you need to.
0: Yeah. So it's sort of, I don't know, it's, um, it it wasn't my favorite documentary of the year. I understand why it won. Again, I think it's very kind of a, an everything, everywhere, all at once win, where it's like, we know why this won, and it's because of what everybody's thinking about and how it's resonating with what people are thinking about.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, uh, the other thing that won that I was surprised for um, is that Sarah Pauli managed to win Adapted Screenplay. I really thought there was a time there in the ceremony where All Quiet on the Western Front was literally winning every award one after the other. And then it came to to Adapted Screenplay and you're like, oh, wow, um, they didn't win that. And I thought for like, I don't know, for like, 10 minutes in there, I'm like, are they going to win best picture? Like they did at BAFTA, but they didn't. And I think the first indication for that was when All Quiet failed to win adapted screenplay. And it won. It was won by Sarah Pauly who actually I think gave one of the better speeches of the night. Um, again, you know, there are, people say words and you you remember just a couple, I think what which she said is that the film was a radical act of democracy um, about um, these people coming together, but also that mirrors what happened on her set um, in with her collaborators. And I thought that was a beautiful moment to sort of tie in your film theme to your work ethic and how you make movies. Um, so I enjoyed that speech.
0: I did too. And I was pleasantly surpri- surprised, but also happy that All Quiet on the Western Front did not win that award because it's not really an adaptation of that novel at all. <laughs> it is... <laughs> It's not an adaptation of the novel. I don't know how else to say it. So bad adaptation. Should not have won that award. Glad that it did not win that award. Yeah. I also think she's very enjoyable on the award circuit because she seems to take everything with a grain of salt and not take it too seriously, um, which I think is very refreshing. You know, She's just very honest, I think, about feeling like everything is a little bit ridiculous but kind of along for the ride. Yeah, uh, and I enjoy that tenor that she's that she has.
1: There is a video of her making the rounds. I think somebody uh, she talks about. She finally understands why people cry when they win an Oscar. She said it's not about winning an Oscar; it's about oh, all that work that I did, all those parties, all those interviews, all that traveling worked, and I got it. It's she's like it's more relief than anything else. Yeah. And so I thought that that was a that's she's she's somebody who talks candidly about this process totally. Which I think think it takes such a toll. I'm sorry. um, It takes such a toll on people because I think I shared with you a a photo the night before the Oscars of Kate Blanchett and Colin Farrell together at one more event less than 24 hours before the Oscars. And they both looked so over it. They couldn't even muster the strength to just smile.
0: Yeah. Even last night, to be honest, like all of the interviews that, like her red carpet interviews, every time they cut to her in her seat, Kate Blanchett looked done. She looked so tired and not in a way where I'm like, Oh, she looked bad. I just mean, I think she had reached a, uh, the tipping point of her enthusiasm.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, most of them have been talking these movies and traveling with these movies for six months, at least since September.
0: I, I do think at a certain point, like I know this is an entire economy that the, film industry kind of relies on every year but we really need to have a conversation about what these people are put through because that's crazy to expect them to be show
1: ponies like that for six months yes it is really exhausting but there are you know if you don't do it and I think this is what they tell them which is why they all participate is like it's not going to happen if you don't do it but I think it happens there are people who don't do it Monique didn't do it and um she i mean it ruined her career though no i mean i think uh part of it is her career part of part of it is is this part of it is something else well uh, maybe a better example is mark rylance who also won an oscar and didn't do any of this stuff
0: yeah <laughs>
1: um although the people who won this year have campaigned the hardest like the four acting winners best film and best director and screenplay. These people have been doing it. Wow. Everything they have done, it all, and they worked, and it 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 got them there. Even Sarah Polley has, as she has herself has said, she has been doing it since September or whenever it is. Women Talking premiered.
0: Also, I think we need to pour one out for Andrea Riseborough, who <laughs> I am sure had a very awkward evening.
1: Yes. Um, there was a pointed mention I, I was praying when um, Jimmy Kimmel mentioned Till and the Woman King I was like if yeah. the director of this show really wants to make a moment he would cut to Andrea Riseborough, but they didn't so
0: thank god though, that would be a little unfairly humiliating to her I think
1: <laughs> yes totally It would, but it would be a, a moment in the show instead they cut to Brian Tyree Henry who has no connection to either of this film except that he's black which yeah. is I think an even worse moment
0: yeah (laughs) um yeah i don't know i felt i feel a little bad for her because i'm sure that was just a weird situation to be in although i'm sure she gets tons of respect from the people who are in that room with her so that's that's good to know
1: so easy we have come to our part of the show where we go to betty davis to tell us something what a dump thank you betty uh it is a dump and there is something that I thought was just you know I've already talked to, about Navalny and about Angela Bassett but if I was gonna dump something out of this show a winner it's definitely Best Actor Brendan Fraser winning for the Whale um, I like that performance and I like his narrative as somebody who is being embraced again by the by the industry but I just think it was absolutely the worst of the five nominated movie uh, absolutely the worst of the five nominated performances and also to win not just one Oscar, like that movie won two Oscars. It won also for makeup. And I think in both categories, there were much better work. Um, And I I don't think that movie itself is successful in its message of empathy um, at all that it's trying to do. So that's my dump. Sorry, Brendan Fraser.
0: (laughs) I I do wish that Colin Farrell had had more of a, a real shot at that award, I, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, my dump is Tar going home empty-handed. I mean, I'm sure everyone is sick of me shilling this <laughs> movie by now, and you know what? I am, I am too. I'm sorry, but this <laughs> is the last we're gonna do it. So I'm just getting it all out of my system now. Um, I, I think that was such a wonderfully made film, and it's really sad to me that it's just completely unrecognized. This tends to happen with a lot of my favorite films of the year. They either get like one award or (laughs) no awards. So I'm kind of used to it by now. It doesn't affect how I see it. It doesn't change how I feel about uh, the film or it's the screenplay or its performances. I still love them. I will always cherish them, but you know, there's just a little inkling in the back of my mind that wishes it could have gotten some sort of official kudos from the film community, but alas.
1: Yeah. And again, to my point, like the whale winning two Oscars when Tar, Elvis, the Fablemans, the Banshees of Inisher, and all went home empty handed. Um, And I guess, you know, even everything everywhere, like did it really need to win screenplay and director and best film? this is why sweeps are boring. Like it could have won best film, gave Todd field best director and give Banshee's best screenplay. And then those movies would have been had something to celebrate as well. Um, Uh, Yeah.
0: I I agree with that completely. And that's kind of how I think things kind of broke down that way last year, a little bit, right. With um, like director was completely different from film. I don't remember what one screenplay (laughs) Was it Power of the Dog? Maybe
1: no Coda one adapted, um, and now I can't remember what one original. But sorry, Ooh, fantastic.
0: <laughs> As I said, holes in my brain. Um, yes. What else can I? I was surprised, frankly, that the Fablemans didn't win anything. I'm less surprised by Tar than I am by that because the Fablemans fe- the Fablemans feels very Academy ready. It feels mm-hmm. exactly like the kind of thing they would typically go for. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit shocking, especially with this um with like the cementing of Steven Spielberg as a as a master um yeah. it this year. Kind of I feel like it was a big legacy year for him.
1: I mean, and I think that's why. I think that's why he didn't win. I think that's why Kate didn't win. It's because people think they're gonna be back next year or the year after. And I think he is thought of as somebody like that. He is in his 70s, so he's not really young, but people still think that he probably has a few more movies that are just going to bring him back. Um, also, his campaign was like, this is my most personal movie, give it to me now. But it okay. didn't succeed because, like we talked with everything, I think the movie failed to connect with the culture. Nobody yeah. talked about that movie. People admired it. Some even loved it. But as a collective, it failed to connect.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the other thing that I think is also true is that this was a big year for, well, insert person's name here, already has one. And so therefore, it's permission to vote elsewhere because you feel like you're spreading the wealth a little bit, which I think is actually kind of nice, to be honest. I yeah. mean, there's no reason to give someone, you know, another doorstop <laughs> if they've <laughs> already got one.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's somebody like Michelle Williams, who's on her fifth nomination, but she never managed to actually be competitive for a win this year. And I think that goes back to the Fablemans. It's just that movie did not connect in any way.
0: Do you think Um, she could have won in supporting if they would have put her there?
1: I think she would have. She could have won in supporting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the movie was was a Best Picture nominee. I think it had support. Um, But who knows, maybe Jamie Lee was just so far out and more popular than we've ever thought. Because until Jamie Lee won the SAG, nobody thought of her as a viable winner at all.
0: Yeah, that was my sense of it as well. I think another thing we need to maybe appreciate about Jamie Lee Curtis's win, even if it maybe wasn't ideal for several other reasons, was that I think we constantly complain as a community that comedy is never rewarded And, you know, people are divided on whether or not she successfully (laughs) (laughs) achieved a comedic performance in this film. But it is comforting to know that perhaps we are now open to that um, kind of
1: performance
0: receiving awards,
1: which is nice. Yes, it's definitely comedic.
0: (laughs) It definitely is.
1: So easy to end with. um, I don't know if you saw this, but one of my favorite moments of the night was um, on the front row, Angela Bassett and Austin Butler were sitting together. And when they were calling out best actor, they were holding hands. I think he was nervous and she was trying to calm him. And I loved that moment a lot because I think that was maybe two hours after she lost her own category. So to be there and to be supportive to, for someone else, I thought was a great moment and for him, okay to seek that support from somebody who probably six months ago, he didn't even know. Um, I thought it was a moment that sort of makes you understand why maybe people continue doing this event after event has after event, they form relationships, they form friendships um, as they're doing this. And it's a reason why they keep doing it.
0: Well, it's a reality show, right? Basically. Yeah. um, You know, you'll feel you're, your cast at the end of the year is like all these people you just keep seeing over and over again Uh, but that's really sweet i hadn't noticed that and i i'm glad that they did that that's cute
1: yes so before we go um why don't we tell our listeners about what to expect from us um in the next few weeks um we started this podcast with these three episodes about the oscars but the oscars are over earlier you mentioned a the next episode is going to be about immigrants and their contribution to movies. Do you want to set that up?
0: Uh, so if you're not aware, this is the 80th anniversary of the general release of Casablanca. So we actually invited Noah Eisenberg on the podcast to talk about his book, which he wrote about the making of Casablanca and its cultural impact and why it remains a beloved film today. So that should be out next week. It was a really, really fascinating conversation. He's a wonderful speaker. So um, if you have time this week, maybe catch up on Casablanca, uh, rewatch it. I don't think you'll regret doing it. Both of us had a really good time rewatching it recently. Um, And then after that, we're diving. Back into sight and sound, everybody, Um, which I know maybe some of you are a little like, oh, no, about, I understand that. But we're going to talk with Catherine Fowler about Jean D'Ilman and sort of similarly why it's a a very important film, why people are attracted to it right now and um, why it might have gone number one on sight and sound kind of unexpectedly.
1: And we will also are planning some episodes about movies currently in release and some interviews and conversations with the makers of these movies. And, and so we will toggle between those two things, movies that are culturally relevant from the past and movies that we like, um, that are out that everybody can watch. And to Izzy's point, Casablanca's next week, it's on HBO max and it's also out in theaters. If you want to go out, it's playing at least I know it's playing in New York in a couple of theaters. So check it out. Um,
0: if you want to follow along and make sure you are reminded about these upcoming episodes, remember to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on social media at I am picture show, uh, on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at BK underscore rewind on Instagram and BK, BK rewind on Twitter.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at me underscore says and on Instagram at Mortada underscore E and until next time. Thank you for listening.